Bow Egg World is brought to you by headscape.co.uk in association with getsignoff.com and the website owner's manual. In this week's show, Aroll Bolkin joins us to discuss the release of Adobe CS4 and we discover how not to get blacklisted by Google. Hi Paul, how are you doing? Hi Paul, how are you? Hello Paul. Hi Paul. Hi Paul and Marcus. Hello and welcome to the first ever BoagWorld.com podcast. Boag World. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of Hello and welcome to the 137th episode of BoagWorld.com, the podcast for all of those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. And I want to particularly welcome Marcus Lillington. Hello, Marcus. Oh, stop it. You've been horrible all morning. I haven't. I've been Yes, lovely. you have. You've been... That's good. Everybody's been having a go at me. You swore. I did swear. Yes. But it was justified. I have... No, it wasn't. I've got an excuse, actually. Lack of sleep. Last two nights... This is really quite sad. This is going to reflect really badly on me, right? Is Last it? two nights, lack of sleep. I hope it, actually, you know I hope it actually reflects on you really well. But hey, here we go. Do you go. know why? Bad dreams. Okay. Oh, that's pathetic. I'm like a five-year-old. Past two nights, been dreaming about zombie attacks. Do you know why? I'm, really, oh, I'm listening to a really great audio, um, audio book, right? Yeah. Cool. Paul can't actually read, so he has to have uh, tapes. Shut up, no, <laughs> because uh, driving to work, well, actually sitting in bed, I'm just lazy, all right, leave me alone. And it's called World War Z. I blame you. Shut up. I blame you for the demise of the book. Oh, no, I read, I read a lot of books. Yeah, but you don't this... read proper books, you read uh, how to code CSS books. And Excuse stuff me, like I read books you recommend. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, carry on. Ian Banks books. Yeah, so World War Z, it's really good. You'd enjoy it, actually. Okay. It's basically deadpan book about a series of interviews that, you know, almost in documentary style, talking about the worldwide war against zombies, right? <laughs> and it's really well done. It's abs- absolutely brilliant. And it's got a great line of actors, lineup of actors, doing these, you know, being these kind of different characters that are being interviewed. And it is just absolutely superb. I entirely recommend it. It's the follow-up to um, the Zombie Survival Guide, which tells you <laughs> tells you what to do in the event of being attacked by zombies, you see. I haven't actually well, read that didn't we learn that all that in uh, whatever the film was called? I can't remember. What 26 Days Later or 24 No, no, the one... Uh, Shaun of the Dead? Simon Pegg. Yeah. yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a bit more gritty than Shaun of the Dead. It's, you uh, know, okay. it's not kind of let's go and have a cup of tea now type, you know. It's, it's really good anyway, but it's been giving me bad dreams, which is really embarrassing. But there you go. That's pathetic. I thought you were going to say because I've been up drinking late. No. Stuff like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in one I of the dreams... I can only just, you know, I, I go to sleep and then I wake up and hour later yeah no in well, one of the dreams i got attacked by um where this came I don't from care. i'm really disturbed i really don't by, care I, no this will make you laugh i got attacked by a zombie version of margaret thatcher where did that come from Fair what part of my subconscious came up with that little gem anyway there you go that's probably because you find her quite scary still that is really scary yeah isn't it? That she's still lasting, intimidates uh, lasting legacy mm, very disturbing so anyway there we go that's my life Shall we move on to the news? <laughs> no, not yet. I can think of something. Yes, I've got to, 
I keep telling you, stop saying the 130 millionth show. No, I'm not going to. Why? Because I, it's, like, boring. That's really, that's rubbish. No, it's well, good. People we, like to know. They don't say on, I don't know, News at 10, and here's the 1,415th episode of News at 10. Do they? No. Shut up. <laughs> okay. So about, hello and welcome to the Adobe episode of, because it is a bit of Adobe-centric episode. I'm trying to lead you on yeah, to right, the news yeah, and get you off of your waffle. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other things I can waffle I'll about. Just, uh, no, right, you go news. to news and then I'll, I'll waffle You'll, yeah. during the news as well. Yeah, there we go. So, our first news story, and without the biggest, without a doubt, without. the biggest... Without a biggest of the doubt. Re- rearrange these words. Yeah, in any, in any order you see. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no, the biggest story of the week is um, the release of CS4 from Adobe, which is their new suite of super-duper lovely pro- products that we all use and love. Well, use anyway. Um, now, Aral will be talking about this a little bit later in the show, mm-hmm. um, but he talks about a lot of other things as well. So I thought, let me give you a little glimpse into what's coming up in CS4 if you have not already looked. So this includes new versions of Photoshop, Flash, Illustrator, Dreamweaver, Fireworks, blah, 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 blah. Lots of products there. Um, what's the difference between Fireworks <coughs> and Photoshop? Well, there's an interesting discussion. Photoshop is is a kind of all round package that's used a lot in print designers, photographers, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et Fireworks is a package really designed for web designers, so it, it's a much more kind of web designy focused production product okay. that used to be owned by Macromedia. You see, yeah, yeah. yeah. Macromedia is um, but they've kept it on because it's kind of more focused on web designers, which is interesting because I don't use it. Which you'd think I would do as a web designer, but I'm a bit... I've been using Photoshop since version one. Can you believe that? Well, I mean, I've got CS3 Photoshop. It's utterly pointless. I, yeah. I could still be on version four, probably, and I'd be just ha- just as happy with I it. I think version four had layers. <laughs> yeah, so, that's yeah. all I need. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of... Every time these products come out, it kind of creates that... that universal question amongst all web designers is it worth forking out basically over a thousand dollars for you know these <clears> suites <throat> of packages when you've already got it and it when you've already fine. got it yeah <laughs> i mean is it really well it kind of depends on how you use the products i guess um i have to say i don't think i will be forking out for this one um oh, i don't know i don't know i might with photoshop but that will be it um, the most significant changes really across the suite of packages are in things like workflow and interface. So um, Adobe have been kind of adding features to their application. I mean, Photoshop for years, you know, Photoshop's been going over a decade now. Mm. And they keep adding features and adding features and adding features. And the result is that, you know, things get buried under submenus and that kind of stuff. So they've done a, a real big kind of clean up of the interface and... and sorted it all out and moved a lot of you know the more commonly used things out of sub menus into palettes and you know toolbars and things like that so they've addressed a lot of issues there which is is a really good idea and kind of needed doing um also if you're someone that works entirely in the adobe universe which i'm i'm not but i know some people are you'll be interested in um the workflow improvements that they've made so they've now made it easier to move work between applications and manage basically your entire workflow throughout your kind of site development process but let's face it 
that's not the stuff that people choose to upgrade over. You know, I think if uh, perhaps it's just me, perhaps I'm just attracted by the shiny things, but it's always the kind of more novelty stuff or the, ooh, that's cool kind of things (laughs) rather than, oh, look, the interface is cleaner. You know, you don't tend to upgrade for that kind of thing. Um, Is there that many good new features? There's one or two. I mean, what may tip the balance is kind of 3D stuff. There's a lot of 3D stuff knocking around. So, for example, in Flash, they've made substantial improvements to the animation tools for 3D objects. So you can now put um, inverse kinetics into um, stuff, which is where you, if you've got, say, a stick man, for example, I guess it's not just 3D, but if you've got a stick man, you can go through and put bones and yeah. limit the, the way their arms bend and that kind of thing, which will be great for Flash games and that kind of stuff if you do that. Uh, Photoshop has now has really come on leaps and bounds in this area for, um, that they've now got the ability to import 3D objects um, and manipulate them directly within Photoshop um, and, and even paint them you know, kind of directly onto the object. And it's quite, quite cool. And obviously you're outputting them as 2D images, but the fact that you're able to manipulate them in a 3D environment is very cool. And I can kind of see, you know, at the moment, for example, I don't know, let's say you were going out and you were buying a piece of stock imagery of a laptop for example yeah right you go and buy stock imagery but you got you can never find one that's quite in the right color or is positioned at quite the right angle for you and all the rest of it and so you end up faffing around well now you can go out and buy a 3d model of a laptop mm. position it in any angle you want light it in any way you want you know and and color it in any way you want so so quite cool stuff there that's interesting yeah that's a bit like one of our clients what they do yeah nice him yeah exactly but you know obviously not on a sophisticated level but mm. i mean it looks pretty good i gotta say the the most amazing feature however which i think will appeal to web designers at the moment um especially if you're somebody that designs a lot of fluid sites is something called content aware scaling now we did look at this ages ago we had a tool which we mentioned on the show um where it, it, it do you remember it it was like it could take a photograph and it could work out say i mean the, the example they show on photo in the photoshop videos is they have four surfers with their surfboards under their arms um uh walking into the sea right so yeah. there's the sea behind them there's sky above sand below right yeah. And with content aware scaling, you normally if you'd scale a picture, it would basically the, the the as you scaled it down, those surfaces would get skinnier and skinnier and <laughs> yeah. you know be really squashed. With content aware scaling, it can work out that the surfers are actually the point of interest. And and so as you scale it, it scales the gaps between the surfers, but the surfers themselves stay exactly as they should do. And equally you can scale it up and it manages to put more C in and stuff like this and it just absolutely amazing to see technology's been around for a little while but having it in photoshop is very cool i remember um audio there's an audio equivalent of that oh is that uh, with sampling you know like if um if you in the old days when you recorded stuff onto tape you could make the tape play faster or slower right and yeah. that would make the pitch of it go up yeah. and down what with the advent of um, sampling, and um, I don't know, probably about ten or so years ago, they managed to be able to do it so that you could speed things up or slow them down and keep the pitch the same, which yeah. is just like wizardry, yeah, magic. Yeah, I know. Uh, it sounds similar kind of thing. Yeah, kind of just, but it does look like magic yeah. wow. when you see it. But what's really cool is that you could have a situation. 
um, for example, as a, as a web designer, where um, if your site is scalable and you've got an image, it's always been a problem scaling the image. Mm. Now you could use a little bit of JavaScript JavaScript to detect how big the page is and then just load different versions of the same graphic, you know, to, you know, depending mm-hmm. on how somebody's got their browser open. Um, and you can just easily create these additional graphics without too much problem. So it's quite, quite interesting. I, I quite like to look at that. That was the one that, if anything, attempted me to, to buy it. It would have been that one. Cool. So there you go. There's a bit, a little bit about um, Adobe CS3. Nothing in any of the other packages that overly Four. excited me. Four, sorry. <laughs> Nothing in the other packages that overly excited me, okay. but Photoshop and Flash have got some cool stuff going on. Um, if you want to see video demonstrations of all this stuff, then check out adobe.tv um, because they've got loads of videos talking about all of these kinds of things. Also, hang on, um, as I said later in the show, a role uh, gives us kind of a little bit of an inside scoop on um, what Adobe are up to because he does quite a lot of work with them. Anyway, next news story. Next up is a, a, a Firefox extension that can transform Firefox into a screen reader, which is quite exciting and quite cool. Um, We all know accessibility is important. We all kind of think we should develop with screen readers in mind. But let's let's be honest, how many of us actually test on screen readers on a regular basis? You know, screen reader software is expensive. We maybe download the 30-day trial of JAWS, and then we don't use it anymore. Um, it's plumbing scary as well. And it's really think, scary, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it starts affecting, some of these things start affecting your entire operating system, and yeah. you, you feel very out of control with them, don't mm. you? Also, let's face it, it's time-consuming doing that kind of testing as well. Well, now you've got no excuse. So there's this thing called Firevox, okay? And it's an open-source freely available talking browser extension for the Firefox web browser. Um, Basically, it's a screen reader designed especially for Firefox. So in addition to kind of providing you with all the basic functionality you'd expect from um, a screen reader, such as being able to identify headings, links, images, um, providing navigational uh, assistance, etc. It also provides um, support for things like CSS speech modules. I wonder whether you even knew about those. Mm, What's one of those? Well, I won't won't get into it. It's it's (laughs) unnecessarily complicated. But the other thing is that it's also available on Windows, on the Mac, on Linux. So it really is universally um, available, which is really cool. I have to say, installation is slightly more fiddly than your average extension. But if you follow the instructions, it's easy enough. And I got it running in you know a couple of minutes. Once it's installed, however, it's probably one of the easiest screen readers I've ever used. Um, and also their site provides some excellent tutorials in how to get up and running. And it doesn't, for some reason, it doesn't feel as overwhelming as something like Jaws. Um, it, for a start, it doesn't speak at 19 to the dozen. And yes, I know you can set all of that in Jaws, yeah. but the default's a bit scary. Um, and this is a bit more reasonable. So check it out. I think it's a good thing for testing in. Good. Okay. Yep. Next up. Uh, this is a great story. You like this, right? <laughs> Right. According to Jerry McGovern, this is on Jerry McGovern's site, on the 8th of September, a story about the bankruptcy of United Airlines' parent company began circulating on the web, right? And within hours of the story being released, their share price had dropped by 76%, mm. right? Which is a heck of a lot, isn't it? Well, yeah. So what's this got to do with web design? Well... Here's the, here's the answer. The story was six years old. <laughs> 
Um, somehow it got picked up by Google News um, and it caused a panic amongst shareholders and the price had been lost. Now, Jerry McGovern uses this as an example to kind of talk about the dangers associated with out-of-date content on your website. Um, and he goes on to talk about how we've got this kind of content management system mentality, uh, which has kind of led to an uh, online environment without any kind of editorial control. And it's a really great article he's written on this. He talks about the production of content on our sites becoming so distributed and unregulated that nobody is responsible for kind of reviewing and removing content. And uh, we put content online without really considering if it's needed and worrying about whether it's going to expire at any point. There's just really no control over this stuff. Um, And he argues that the content on our websites has been largely neglected. And I've got to say, I believe that it's come, it's come time for uh, us as website owners to put the same investment into content as we do into building our site. So everybody... I've been saying this for I know, years. yeah, we have been saying it. But it's just really nice to hear um, Jerry saying the same stuff too. Um, and for those of you who are web designers, I would really strongly encourage you to start talking to your clients about how they plan to manage the content on their site. Really interesting. And exactly this conversation only this morning about homepage design we've done, mm. which features news and events really heavily. That's great if they're going to be maintained and if they're written in a way that's actually engaging. This is for a university mm. website, right? And obviously their primary aim is to attract potential students. Now, if an event on there is annual general meeting... Uh, But it won't be. Why? Because I've told them it can't be. Okay. But but that's a danger, isn't it? It is a danger, yeah, and you give people people the tools to do that kind of thing. Yeah. But But uh, if they put in in that slot, Richard Branson gives lecture... Absolutely. Brilliant. Really good for a potential We've discovered a new brain cell. Yes, that kind cool, of thing. Cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so really interesting subject about how content needs to be managed um, and kept up to date and stuff like that. So we need to start talking about talking about this to our clients and stuff, which well, we have. But Well, yeah. I've been working with another university. Um, <coughs> a, a, my conclusion of a review that I did of their site was basically I kind of went off on waffle waffle mode about how important it is that they have um, basically editors who are who own the site and that's stuff we've been saying for years but it just sort of that there is still this I get this feeling that there's that clients expect web design companies to come in make it wonderful and they don't have to do very much mm. I know that's a kind of sweeping nasty statement but um, there is that feeling of well, I'm not going to have much to do here. Yeah. Actually, you've got loads to do. Yeah. It's like, it, it, you know, it's like, oh, well, we're going to release a new version of a newspaper yeah. and we'll just kind of do it. But yeah. we're not actually going to do it. Well, it I takes a huge amount of effort. I'm writing an entire book about what a website owner should be doing. Yeah. You know, and, and content is one chapter out of 12. But, I mean, it's, you know, that is one huge area. But there's so much that mm. website owners need to be doing. And I don't think they they're really grasping their responsibilities in so many different areas. But anyway. It's a, it's a huge, you know, a, a big website is a, is a major responsibility. It's a massive, ongoing, daily, changeable, mm. even off, more often, more frequent than that, publication. Mm. That's mm. what it is. Yeah. And you've got to view it as that, not as a nice brochure. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, our last news story of the day is, is uh, it's an interesting one because I, I'm always fascinated to see how other people build their websites, right? Uh, it's other web design companies, and especially when it's a high-profile company that you kind of respect. 
One such company, Clear Left. We talk about Clear Left a lot. Um, That's the company of Andy Budd, Jeremy Keith and Richard Rutter. Um, And they are kind of known for the quality of their CSS and their JavaScript and that kind of stuff. Now, one of the developers at Clear Left, um, Natalie Down, um, has recently spoken at Barcamp in London about the methodology that Clear Left use when coding CSS. And although I didn't get to hear her speak, she's put her slides and, more importantly, notes online. And you can get those via our show notes, which would be at boagworld.com forward slash podcast forward slash 137. There's the reason why I need to say 137 mm-hmm. at the top of the show, so people know where to look for the po- uh, show notes. Well, it's just the, it's the one that comes up when you type in boagworld.com. Yeah, but no, but people listen to this. People might be listening to this in a hundred years' time. Well, maybe not. Maybe not a hundred. Hundred six, days' time, but six months. Know, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got a very long tail of of listeners listening to the show. So, so no, that doesn't work. And I'm right, and you're wrong. That's no. normal. No, 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 no. So, what's really great is that her, um, it, her notes are really comprehensive. You know, so we know what it's like when you download slides and they're all a bit cryptic and you haven't heard the actual talk. They're not a lot of use, like yours. Yeah. A nice picture. Yeah. A word. Yeah. No mm. use whatsoever. <laughs> but, and also, Natalie has got the huge advantage of um, that, obviously, like me, she doesn't waffle. And so she's basically written out her entire presentation in the notes. All so right. it's great. So you've got, like, everything in there. So it's really, really good. Um, so you can download those notes and follow what she's saying. Basically, I mean, obviously, there's no single approach when it comes to building websites. However, Natalie shares some interesting ideas about ensuring that your CSS is maintainable and easy for other developers to pick up and use. Uh, I always find it fascinating hearing what other people say, and particularly, for some reason, I particularly like having a sneak peek at clear left for some reason. I don't know why, but... I'm always very nosy. <laughs> I think because they think, do things quite differently than we do, so it, it's interesting to see. Although, interestingly, when it comes to CSS, we, we seem to have quite a similar approach to them. Um, and we do differ in a few key ways, but ne- nevertheless, um, it's fascinating to see how other web designers do it. And that's great that Natalie shared that. So, very cool. So, there's the news. Shall we hurtle on into our interview? Good idea. Okay. Okay, so joining me today is Aurel Bolkin. Good to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, Paul. It's always great to be here. It's been a little while, but it's good to have you back. And we've got um, a role on the show today, really to talk about a kind of a couple of random things. Really, <laughs> the first drive well, my life. <laughs> yeah, your story of your life. Yeah, um, one of which is uh, is the new Adobe suite of um, products that are coming out. But before we get on yeah. to that. Let's talk about head, previously singularity. <laughs> What's all that about yes. for a start? What happened there? Uh, with the name change? Yeah. Um, it was quite unfortunate. Uh, about like uh, two weeks ago or so, um, I got a uh, letter um, from a company called Singularity Limited, and they were, they'd apparently trademarked um, Singularity, the word, uh, and uh, you know how t- trademark law works. It's um, they've got different categories apparently, and these categories are really wide. So uh, a single category could include things like training and conferences. Okay. So um, so this company in, was not actually doing a conference called Singularity, but they trademarked 
it um, under the class, the same class. Right. And so um, they weren't too happy that we were using the name. And, uh, you know, we had a talk as well. I called them up because I was like, oh, crap, might as well just, you know, talk it out. Yeah. Um, and uh, it just seemed like they wanted more to have, like, a legal conversation through the lawyers and stuff. And, okay. you know, I'm not really into that. We weren't we, – we only had two months to go. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it, we're a first-year conference, so I didn't have the budget or the time really to, to get into that sort of a conversation. So I was like, okay, you know what? <laughs> this is going to hurt, but let's let's rebrand. So uh, I took a weekend out, redesigned the site, redesigned everything, and uh, and then just you know we decided to go with the new name. And I actually really like the new name. Yeah, it's a good name. Um, it's it's kind of edgy. It's it's short. It's memorable. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it, given everything else, I I probably wouldn't have changed the name two months ago. But if I had a choice, uh, but still, I like it. So. Uh, yeah. These things happen, don't they? These things do happen, apparently, yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about HEAD. What is, what is it? You know, tell us. It's obviously a conference, but tell us a bit more about it. Um, well, it's this conference, and, and we have this amazing guy, Paul Boak, speaking at well, it. Well, obviously, um, yeah. And that's really all I need to say. Now, um, <laughs> how do you like that one? Um, <laughs> Keep going. You're doing well. It's, it's, it's a virtual conference, so all of the sessions are... Um, uh, streamed live over the internet, um, and they're interactive, so you can ask questions as you're viewing them, and the speaker can answer those questions. Um, we're using uh, Adobe Connect Pro in order to do that, so mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you know a tried and true system that's been around for quite a few years, actually, surprisingly. Um, and uh, also, we have a couple of hubs uh, in London, in Manchester. We're going to have one here in Brighton, uh, one in Belgium, um, and there are a few more. They're still not entirely uh they haven't um been uh uh, finalized but we may have one or two more hubs um and the one in london for example is taking place at uh the magic circle which i'm very excited about it's a lovely venue have you been there i've heard of it but i haven't actually been there i've heard other people talk about it it's it's awesome i was uh i was there last week and it's basically like the magician society in the uk so it's been around for about a hundred years and it's got a museum where you can see uh actual items from like houdini and, and and a few other people um they've got did you know that prince charles apparently is a member oh that doesn't surprise me in the slightest (laughs) (laughs) and he apparently had to do a little trick to get in uh with these cups and this ball um and yeah and he got accepted into like the highest order of the of the magic circle (laughs) it's kind of crazy so when when is this conference um the conference takes place october 24th to the 26th okay um and uh and it's everywhere so uh you sign up to attend Mm-hmm. And um, and you can watch it from home, or uh, if you're in one of the cities where we have a hub, you can you can go from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, why virtual? Why did you decide to go for a virtual conference rather than you know the kind of traditional all get together type of thing? Personal reasons, Paul. No, um, actually, seriously, I do a lot of talks at conferences, so I fly around a lot, um, and the flying around bit. And staying in, you know, strange hotels, uh, sometimes it's a great experience, but depending on the hotel that you're in, that's not the bit that I really enjoy. You know, you go to a hotel, you don't have Wi-Fi, or the Wi-Fi costs $3 billion or something. Um, and, uh, and, and And I got to thinking whether, you know, that was actually part of the 
the conference experience, the, the the positive part of it for me. And I thought maybe not. So, um, and we do stuff on the web. You know, we that's what we do. That's that's the line of business that we're in. So I thought, why not try and see if we can't create a conference that's virtual, but yet try to keep some of the aspects of conferences that we like the most, like the social interactions, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where the idea of the hubs came from, and that's why, you know, it's interactive, and people can ask questions and, and communicate during the conference. Um, and it's an experiment, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the fir- it's a first-time conference, so we're trying it out. We're going to see what works. We're going to see what doesn't, and then we're going to evolve it next year. I mean, what I find I- incredible about it is, I guess because people don't need to travel you've got an absolutely incredible lineup of speakers we do have some great speakers <laughs> and you've got so many of them as well there's <laughs> what is it 70 odd speakers yeah yeah we've got 70 plus speakers and we've got amazing people um tim o'reilly for example is speaking he's doing a keynote in the london hub in person okay. um We've got Jason Freed, and we've got yourself, of course. I don't uh, think you can put me in the same category as those two, but keep oh, going. I like, I like the sound of it. That's good. Dude, I've seen you in so many conferences. You rock. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've got Molly. We've got Jeremy Keith. Uh, we've got so many people. I mean, Rafi Halajian, uh, he's uh, the father of the Nabas Tag Bunny. Oh, um, right. I have... I have one here. Yeah, yeah you I saw it. How obs- when I came I over, you guys, I brought it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we've got amazing people. Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Wine Library oh, yeah. TV. He's awesome. I'm going to yeah. try and see if we can't get a live hookup, like a video hookup during the London Hub with him. Um, you know, he's just awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and just a whole bunch of people. I'm forgetting half of them. Yeah, Richard I mean, it's from Moo, yeah. Moo.com, another one of my favorite companies. Um, it's just a stellar list. It's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, do you it think is pe- people are going to miss out from the fact that they're not going to have that face-to-face experience? I sure hope not. You know, uh, we're trying to build things that that um, compensate for that. Um, and next year, especially, um, I'm going to concentrate much more on the hubs. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking of scaling it down next year. Okay. Because, uh, you know, we've kind of gone for everything this year, which which is exhilarating. Um, but at the same time, for a first-year conference, it's a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Um, next year, I'm thinking of maybe scaling it down a little bit and concentrating on one or two hubs and trying to build new interactions for connecting those hubs. Mm-hmm. I've got some really cool plans for it. <laughs> I mean, one of the kind of interesting things about this as well is the kind of underlying technology of all of this. I mean, how how's it working? What You know, how are you going to kind of connect all these people? I mean, you know, you're talking about thousands of people, 70 speakers. You know, uh, here I am sitting in the middle of Dorset in the back of beyond, <laughs> you know, and how are all these well, people going to see my presentation? Well, we're uh, using Adobe Connect Pro, mm-hmm. so um, that does have a limit currently of 2,000 people in a room. So that's where we're limiting our attendance. We're not okay. we're definitely not having more than 2,000, um, and I don't think that's going to be a problem. Uh, but Connect has a lot of features uh, for basically <laughs> connecting people. Um, you can see the streamed video and audio of a presentation, but you can also interact both by typing um, or you can send your own video feed. Uh, we're probably not going to use that because of bandwidth concerns, but yeah. um, people can interact with others, um, other people who are in the session. They can chat with them and with the speaker. And so at the end of every session, we're going to have a question and answer, and a speaker will go through all of the written questions that they've received during the, during the talk and answer them. And that format's worked really well in the past as well for uh, meetings that we've done. 
So this is not a, a technology I've come across before. This is something that's kind of publicly available from Adobe, is it? And these oh yeah, totally, right. totally. Um, Adobe Connect Pro has been available for uh, several years. It's really? uh, it's Adobe. I think the full name, and it's got one of those really long names. Um, it's it's Adobe Acrobat Connect Pro. Right. Um, <laughs> I know. I don't know where they come up with them. Um, but it's a really cool piece of software for doing meetings and, and these sort of virtual presentations. Um, it used to be called Breeze. So maybe ah, you... that's the name I recognize. Yeah, there you go. Um, and it's been around for years and years. Right. Uh, so it's, it's really, really stable. And Adobe actually has um, a new version of it. I don't know what they're calling it. I, I remember its beta name, I think. Um, but it's a f- they have a free version for up to like three or four people. Mm-hmm. So um, if you Google for that uh, or like in the transcript or something, if you guys can find it and link it, um, that's really cool because you can just start playing with that. It used to be called Brio. Right. I don't know what they're calling it now that it's been released. Mm. The other thing that I noticed from Twitter, um, yeah. that you mentioned that you built the website using Google's App Engine. Yes. Tell us a bit about that. Well, I mean, wow, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> yeah, you you sounded um, somewhat stressed at certain <laughs> points through the period. Um, it's I, I it has been really great. What is um, it? First of all, explain to people what okay. it is. So Google App Engine is Google's uh, foray into providing access to the cloud to its infrastructure. So basically. Google is this massively scale has this massively scalable inf- infrastructure that it hosts its search on and its various applications on. So Google App Engine is Google's way of saying, okay, here here's the technology that we have for building these infinitely scalable applications, um, and we're going to make it available to you in a very simple manner, so you can build your applications on it and host them on it. Mm. Um, and it's really cool. I mean, the idea is awesome. And uh, you're going to be hearing so much more about it as they add more features to it. Um, it's currently in pre-release. So, of course, it was quite a gamble to base the website on a pre-release technology. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm still convinced that that gamble is going to pay off because basically the way I see it, there are like the most... Uh, intelligent developers in the world working at Google, basically working for my application. Every feature they add adds, you know, a feature to my app in a way cool. that I can use. So once they integrate things like the Google APIs, uh, once they integrate other features, not that I'm I have any insider information, but it just makes sense that they would do that. Uh, I think it's just going to become a, a more and more powerful platform. But you found it a little bit painful at times. Well, of course. I mean, it's pre-release, right? Yeah. Um, and and pre-release technologies have issues. So they're figuring things out. It's not something that's, again, been done before. Uh, Amazon has a really cool platform uh, with SimpleDB, S3, EC2, and those technologies, which provide the same thing. But... Um, in some ways, it's it's uh, Amazon's platform is much more tested, m- much more tried, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also more difficult to develop on. I mean, you need a lot of skills. You need to be a system administrator in your order to build your images on EC2, or at least have some knowledge in that area. Right. Uh, you know, you need uh, many more skills. With Google App Engine, if you know Python, you just download this SDK onto your machine, you install it, and you have a local version. Uh-huh. Um, of of their environment on your machine, and you can write you know a few lines of Python and start running your application on your local machine, and then you you just um, enter one command and suddenly it's on Google servers, and you know the theory is that a million people can hit it immediately and it's not going to go down. Yeah, 
Which so, I mean, for a conference like this, where a large number of people are all going to be using a site at, yeah, at the same yeah. time, it's vital. Yeah. And I mean, we're not going to stress it at all with our numbers. No. But, you know, if you think of the next Flickr or the next uh, Twitter, although you can't really build a messaging app currently on it, um, it but apps that will get those numbers, yeah. that might get those numbers, uh, they won't have to go through the standard stages of development. Because these days, today, what happens is you build an application, you build it using you know some sort of a rapid framework like Rails or Django or whatever. Um, you build it. You put it up there, and if it gets really popular, then you basically have to go in and you have to re-architect a lot of things. Mm. Um, for some apps like Twitter, you know, they've, they've basically had to rebuild the application as it's running, mm. and that's a, a lot of work. Mm. Um, Google App Engine turns this on its head. It, you have hurdles to get by when you're first building the application, but you can test it just with yourself, and if your application runs correctly for you, if you can get it to that point then it will run that way for everyone that hits cool. it. Or at no. least that's the idea. So that's where they're heading for. That sounds really exciting. I look forward to seeing that develop. And I think it is. You're very brave taking it on so early. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the thing. A few people have told me, like when I was bitching and moaning when we had a few issues, and, and let me tell you, Google have been amazing. Uh, uh, I have like direct contact to a couple of engineers on their team, um, and they have been amazing in helping me out and working with me, and I'm working with them so to try to improve it. Um, but a few people, when I was bitching about it, were like, well, you know, you just got what you deserve for using pre-release uh, technologies. But the thing is, someone has to. Exactly, right? yeah. Someone has to. So the next time somebody, you know, tries a beta piece of software, tries to build it and provides feedback, instead of going, ha-ha, I told you so, kind of think, well, you know, I'm probably going to end up using this in a few years' time, and I'm going to benefit from the lessons you've learned. Exactly. Uh, so some people have to be early adopters, and yeah, getting burned with certain things is part of it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just it's just how it goes, really. But what so, what interests me the most, Paul, about Google App Engine mm-hmm. and about uh, like EC2, etc., is that we're kind of entering the age of the commodity web, where the web, where building scalable applications on the web becomes a commodity, just like electricity or water. You know, so we won't have to worry about things like hosting and and this and that. It'll just be like another meter reading. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've made my app. Here it is on the web. And I get charged for it by CPU cycles, by the amount of uh, uh, resources that I'm using, just like electricity. I mean, that would be awesome. If we can reach that point where we don't have to worry about scalability and things like that, that would just be incredible. I think we're nearly there. That's superb. Yeah. Talking of um, you working closely with people, you said you were working closely with um, Google over this. I know you've got an excellent relationship with the guys over at Adobe, and no doubt you've been playing with um, CS4. Tell us a little bit about it. You were over um, at the launch of it, were you not? Yes, I was. I wasn't actually speaking about CS4, um, but uh, I was at the launch, and uh, I got to see some of the demos as well there. Uh, it's a huge suite. You know, I, I, I didn't have a chance to play with everything. So seeing some of their demos, it's really cool. It looks like they're really concentrating on integration between the products. They've been doing this for a couple of releases now, but it's really starting to pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, when Adobe bought Macromedia, everyone was like, well, you know, how, how are they going to integrate things? And uh, people were fearing that it was going to be an instant process and you know some of the tools would be ruined. That hasn't happened, um, but it, they have been integrating the various products over the years and over these release cycles. So one of the dem- demonstrations that I saw that was really cool, for example, is in InDesign, um, which yep. is a desktop publishing tool that they have, um, you can build a, a, a magazine and then you can click a button 
and then have that be an interactive magazine in Flash that you can put on the web with like a page turn effect and stuff like that. Wow. Um, and that's actually quite awesome. Yeah. You know, um, I spent, uh, I spent uh, a bit of time a couple of years ago uh, working with a client to build an app that did that from PDFs. Um, and uh, that, that software is still going strong uh, and being used on the web. But now you can just do that with like InDesign and, uh, and Flash. Yeah. Uh, and, and things like that, they've really worked on the workflow between the various tools. And it makes a lot of sense because web video is such a big thing now. And being able to take something from After Effects and from Premiere into Flash and back and into Dreamweaver and put it up on the, on your site, they're really working on these workflows. So they're not disjointed tools. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's really for me the most exciting thing, apart from some of the cool stuff in Flash. What have they done in Flash then that's so cool? <laughs> um, some of the cool stuff in Flash. Well, there's we have bone support now, IK support. Um, you can you can draw like a stick man, for example, and and then you can you can take this bones tool and and uh, trace over its its like limbs, various limbs, and then you have this puppet that you can play with. <laughs> And the cool thing is, yeah, you, you can publish this, and, and this puppet is interactive once you've published your movie as well. It's not just an authoring. So uh, that's you're going to see some amazing advances in like online games that use this, yeah. uh, and, and just uh, in animation. For animators, it's going to make their lives so much easier. Cool. And that's just like one of, the, one of the new things they have. Did you get a look at Photoshop and whether there's been yeah. any major changes in that? Well, they're really concentrating on the 3D stuff in Photoshop, okay. uh, from what I see. Um, there's a lot of 3D tools. You can bring 3D models into it. You can paint into them. They, they stay 3D as you're painting into them and outside of them. Um, there was this one demo that I thought was really cool where they took a, an old-fashioned car, and it was like a 3D uh, model, and uh, they just like rubbed off the, the roof. And then it became like this convertible, <laughs> um, but like it's still 3D. And then they started painting the seats, um, which is kind of cool, you know. I, I think that's gonna, that's gonna uh, again, it's an integration, you know, with your other tools, with, yeah. with your 3D tools. Um, so uh, it, it does look really cool. I can't wait to play more with it. I guess the only other one that's uh, kind of directly relevant to web design would be Dreamweaver. Did you get a chance to look at that? Yes, yeah, I, I did, and it seems to have gotten a whole bunch of, uh, of new features as well, especially with the CSS and their live preview uh, of CSS. Um, but to tell you the truth, I don't really use Dreamweaver. I, I started out with Dream... Well, no, okay. Uh, <laughs> I started out with um, Front Page many, many years ago. Um, uh, you should be ashamed I, to even Forgive me, that. I know. <laughs> um, but I switched to Dreamweaver right away. Um, and, uh, but... Recently, you know, I just do a lot of my stuff in TextMate, and um, and and I don't know why that I don't know why that is, <laughs> but I just find some of these tools to be way too heavy, especially yeah. for HTML. Um, and and I really like to have control over what I do. Yeah. So and TextMate is light. I've begun to favor lightweight tools a lot. Yeah, I'm, I must admit. I mean, I used Dreamweaver for a very long time. Um, yeah. As a, a as a text coding tool, not as a you know, not uh -huh. a WYSIWYG. But in the end, it's just it was so slow to open up compared to other stuff, and it just yeah. had to be chunky. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, I kind of went through the same thing, and um, and I really, like I said, I really enjoy TextMate. It mm. is such a simple, simple editor, and it just works. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so I mean that's re- really great, um, Arol. To, going back to the conference just very yeah. briefly, um, by the time this comes out, people are going to have missed, unfortunately, the early bird discount. So how much are, how much are they looking at for this conference? Um, well, the main tickets are one hundred and forty nine dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Maybe we can do something special for listeners of your podcast. Ooh, well, if you they can... are if they are going to miss it. Okay. Well, you let me let me know that, and uh, okay, cool. we'll we'll tag that on after this interview. I can do that easily enough. Okay. Um, cool. You can find out about the conference over at headconference.com. And I've got to say, this does look absolutely incredible. Am I right in saying that also people that have attended the conference, obviously there's no way you're going to be able to listen to all 70 speakers over those couple of days. So they can go in and watch the the videos after the event. Is that right? Yep. All of the videos are going to be recorded and uh, you'll be able to watch them at any time. So I mean, absolutely superb for for one hundred and forty nine dollars or whatever it is. That's an incredible yeah. deal, um, and you will never come across a conference that's got quite this lineup of speakers. Um, and certainly, of course, you don't have to pay for hotel bills, and you don't have to pay for travelling, and you don't even have to ta- pay for time out of work. So, exactly. all in yeah. all, sounds pretty good. Arol, thank you so much for coming on the show, and we'll thank get you, you back again in the future. Oh, it'll be great. I I love being here. Okay, good to talk to you. <laughs> Take care, Paul. So, um, Aral, when I interviewed him uh, a few days back, talked about an early discount for Boag World listeners, or Mm. a a discount for Boag World listeners for the head conference that he's organising. His life is, a poor old guy, his life is just insane at the moment trying to arrange this conference, you know. It's the first major virtual conference. He's dealing with 70-plus speakers, thousands of people signing up for it. He's built the website on a basically a beta piece of software so he's having all kinds of difficulties his life's mad so basically he hasn't done that yet but he will do he promises that there will be um, a discount for boag world listeners so the best thing i can advise you guys is to follow me on twitter which you can do at uh, twitter.com forward slash boag world um, and uh, basically, I'll announce when that discount's available and how you get the discount. I'll also post on Boag World as well. So just keep an eye out, and that is coming. I would really encourage you to sign up to the head conference. I think you'll be extremely pleased uh, with the results. It's an amazing lineup of speakers. Anyway, enough pimping for, for a while. Um, let's move on to listener feedback. Boagworld.com. Okay, listener feedback. And today we start with a review of something called Steak Overflow by Teflon. It's not Te- it's Teflon. Now, in fact, Steak Overflow, that sounds like a restaurant it with does. big steaks. Yeah, no, I'm going to keep calling him Teflon. I have to, it's another bit of waffle that these things just come into my mind. Yeah, um, we're talking about going to South by Southwest oh, and, and, and certain headscape people going. And um, Lee went with us last year. Lee's he's been on the show, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, and he said, "I'd like, I'd quite like to go this year." And, it, and we said, "Well, basically, we can have two two other headscape people go." And it turns out that two people who didn't go last year said they want to go. So I said to Lee, no, "I'm sorry, mate, but you know, you went last year." Blah blah. blah. He said, "I only really wanted the steak. <laughs> <laughs> the steak was gorgeous." Yes. Lee Lee's turned into a bit of a Twitter theme. We've just been talking about Twitter, so you have to follow him at twitter.com forward slash Lee. And that's L-E-I-G-H. And he likes to slag me off a lot. And so he, he seems to have got a popular following for some reason <laughs> because of that bastard. Right. Um, Teflon. Uh, thank you very much once again. He, he's a good one. He provides us with content. He's like our does. roving reporter. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I'm still going to call him Teflon because he's rude to us. Right, here's what Teflon it's has rude to say. To you. Yes. He thinks I'm great. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, this is what Teflon has to say about um, stake overflow. I'm a developer, not a designer. So if you understand my incoherent babbling, please keep in mind that this review probably won't be as useful for designers. But please, fall asleep after I stop talking. It's not completely useless. About a month ago, I joined a site called stackoverflow.com. Essentially, it is a cross between a forum, dig or reddit, Wikipedia and a blog. You ask questions and answer questions. You also get answers to your questions and generally you get them very fast. It's now just entered public beta. It's a simple idea that could be v- could be great and it could also be useless. Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky have managed to make it very useful. But now it's time to add some actual content to the review or Paul will call me silly names again. Questions in Stack Overflow are allowed to be on any language or topic related to programming. And here's where the designers might also be more interested. These topics include source control, HTML, CSS and even things such as keyboard layouts. The question that you should be asking yourself right after why am I listening to Tyvian is why is this better than Google? In fact, is it better than Google? And for me, the answer is quite a simple one. Google cannot look at your site and tell you why a div is wider than you want it to be. But a site with 8,000 or more members probably can. I'm given answers to most of my questions within five minutes. I believe there are about two rather more obscure questions that I asked that took longer. Don't feel that you are too new for the site either. You can ask anything from very simple to very complex questions, such as, what is a class, all the way through to, how do I benchmark a PHP and a Python script via the Unix terminal, but not from within the script itself? I very strongly recommend that everybody check out the site. It has proven invaluable to me. Thank you for listening. I hope it was useful. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether it's... I use Twitter like that. Mm. Sorry, I'm going w- on about Twitter a lot yeah. today. I, I wouldn't use it, but hey, no. some people would. Um, yeah, I mean, great. But, you know, I kind of forums, the Boag World Forum, mm. you can get answers like that. <clears throat> um, and Twitter, you, if you've got enough people following you, then you can, you can use that. Admittedly, not everybody um, has that many followers on, on Twitter. But um, definitely, Boag World Forum, I think, is a good source for that. But it's still very interesting and check it out. Talking about it, he said it was a bit like um, Dig kind of vaguely um there's another good site that somebody sent me i'm really sorry i can't remember your name now um sent me this bill. week let's call him bill yes. yes thanks bill um called design um designfloat.com which is uh, basically um dig dig.com but for design stuff and it's got a whole section dedicated to web design okay. but don't just look at the web design section beautiful stuff really good stuff. it's a bit annoying because it's all 11 tips for this and <laughs> 10 inspirations for that but really some great stuff and beautiful very clever ad campaigns that are featured in there all kinds of really great inspiring stuff so check that out at some point um Right, let's move on. Yes. Next one. Yeah, so um, this is an interesting one. This is a question from Jason in Toronto. Um, Do you want to read it, Marcus? Yeah, I'll read it out. Here we go. Uh, I am desperate to improve the search engine ranking of my company website, but I am confused by the contradictory advice online. We have even considered, considered hiring an SEO company, but aren't sure who is reputable. The last thing we want is to be blacklisted. Do you have any advice which might help? Mm, good well, one. That's got to be the most common question and 
you know, web-related question in the whole world ever. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but I, I got to say I was really pleased to get it. His timing, Jason, your timing was impeccable because it was just as I was writing a chunk on the SEO in, uh, in my book. So that was really good. So this part of the show is brought to you by boagor.com forward slash website owner's manual. Um, there we go. Plug inserted. Um, I got to say, yes, I think you're you're right to be concerned about being blacklisted, and it is true that Google comes down hard on sites who disregard their website, uh, sorry, their webmaster guidelines. Probably the highest profile example of this is where they effectively removed BMW, the car manufacturer, um, from their search results for using doorway pages, which mm. is a particular technique we'll touch on in a minute. Uh, with many search engine optimization companies around that are still using black hat techniques, it's important um, to be able to tell the good guys from the bad guys, I guess. Um, somebody said in the comments uh, relating to this post, it's, uh, black hat techniques is only bad if you get caught. <laughs> um, I actually, I, I know where you're coming from, but you're going to get caught. Not necessarily in the you're going to be blacklisted point of view. I think they only do that in kind of extreme cases. Mm. But sooner or later, they're going to plug that hole that the, these people are, are um, using and your ranking is going to go down. So you're better off doing it right f- from the beginning, to be honest. Um, later, we'll have a look at some of the SEO techniques that can get you blacklisted. But first, let's examine ways to identify companies that are less than reputable. Let's put it like that. Right, first of all, let's get the obvious out of the way. Um, always be sceptical of any company that contacts you out of the blue. Um, if you're going to hire an SEO company, ideally do it via personal recommendation. Definitely beware of companies who guarantee a particular ranking. All right? If a company promises you they can rank you number one on Google, ask for more information. Um, basically, they're lying. Well, it depends um, on the search term, surely. Exactly. There's the key. It's relatively easy to get highly ranked on an obscure term like Wibble. But, you know, although probably, actually, probably not. No, that's a blackout but reference. But our band name, if I type stroke the toad in, we go number one on Google. Yes. Well, that's because <laughs> it's about obscure. eight results. Yeah. However, <laughs> um, let's face it, it's much harder to become ranked on something useful from a marketing perspective. Um also, what happens if the company fails to live up to their guarantee? This is almost a, a repetition of um, some stuff I've said about uh, hosting companies before who guarantee 99% uptime. Really, they guarantee it, but the, the consequences if they fail are, are nothing, basically. They, you know, And again, the same yeah, what situation here. What gonna, yeah, exactly. So, finally, ask the um, SEO company to clearly explain the techniques they're intending to use. If they're invasive, the answer is they probably should be avoided. Um, If you discover the techniques that they are implementing, this will enable you to judge whether or not you're in danger of being blacklisted. So, let's look at some of the common, common techniques that are unacceptable. Now, these are all based on um, Google's own documentation for website owners. Um, so I'd really encourage you to check check out that. There'll be links in the show notes to this documentation. And it really is absolutely superb and tells you everything you need to know. So this was the easiest section of the book ever to write because basically I <laughs> you just... lifted it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't lift it completely. But, you know, straight from the horse's mouth type of stuff. So... That's the, that, I think, is the problem when it comes to SEO, that there's a lot of rumor and, and ideas and, and, and out-of-date information flying around. You need to go back to the source and kind of get the reliable information. So these are some of the things that Google frown upon. 
hidden text and links so this is where some seo companies use hidden keywords and links that provide no real value to the user instead they're designed to increase your search engine rankings um the tech the techniques that you use to add this kind of text is um setting the text the same color as the background hiding content using css setting the font size to zero or hiding um, text behind images now this hiding content with css one of the questions that people have asked is does how do you do it <laughs> no, no they've asked what does css then damage your search engine rankings because you know i often hide content with css you know i push it off screen or you know you want it to be hide, hide, hidden and shown in specific circumstances that kind of stuff mm. well actually that they, they seem to be quite specific that it's this kind of setting font sizes to zero and stuff like that and they, mm. they do still encourage the use of css so i don't think you're going to be in, in damaged by that Okay. Next one, search engine only content. Basically, using techniques such as redirects or cloaking, um, it is possible to show different well, Klingon type stuff. <laughs> no, not Klingon cloaking. <sighs> that's not like you to make a sad sci-fi it's, reference. It's a tricky joke. Yeah, well, that's tricky, not good. Not really that funny. No. Joke, but hey. Uh, so we're talking about here where you show co- different content to a search engine than you show to a real user. That's what it boils down to, basically. Yep. Um, uh, and this approach is often adopted actually by f- uh, flash sites, right? So if your whole site is built in flash and you know it's not going to get indexed, you sneakily show the search engine different content. Um, and although I can kind of understand the desire to do that if you build a flash-only site, this actually breaks Google's terms of service and could lead to you being removed. So be careful if you go down that route. Sending automated submissions to Google. Now, this is an interesting one, right? What's wrong with that? Yeah. So, Web Position Gold, right? Every, how many people use Web Position Gold? Loads of people. Google's terms of service specifically name Web Position Gold mm-hmm. as an unacceptable tool to use for the submission of uh, your rankings to Google. They don't like automated submissions. Very interesting. Whether there's actually any consequences to that, I don't know. But they do specifically name it in their terms of service. Very interesting. Duplicating content. Although Google recognizes that some content is duplicated for legitimate reasons, in other words, for example, some sites have print-only versions, which is very out of date, but they do exist. Um, It's frowned on when websites are deliberately duplicating content in an an attempt to manipulate search engine rankings. Escape the web design, web design, web design, web design company. No, no, no. No, No, it's not so much that. It's like (laughs) having multiple... um, That's keyword stuffing. That's something else I'll come on to in a minute. But it's, it's having multiple versions of pages for various reasons. You can do it for... It, it, It kind of duplicates content basically sure. on, a, okay. on a big level not on a micro level doorway pages so this is what stung um bmw these are pages created solely with the purpose of ranking well with certain keywords so they often have poor content and exist solely to funnel users to the main site keyword stuffing mm-hmm. that's the one that i mentioned a minute ago this is the practice of loading a page with keywords in an attempt to manipulate um site rankings so this can result in a negative user experience and, and will, uh, could well be harmful to your search engine rankings too. And then finally, participating in link schemes. Although your um, uh, site ranking is partially based on who links to you, link exchange programs are always a bad idea. Exchanging links indiscriminately without considering their relevancy will damage rather than help your rankings. 
Okay. Yep. So, will implementing some of the above techniques get you removed entirely from Google? Probably not, to be honest. Um, however, they could damage your rankings over the long term and will probably, um, well, there will almost certainly be a waste of money um, to implement them. Yeah, 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 that's exactly. the point with all this. Exactly. Therefore, does that mean that you should avoid SEO companies? Well, not necessarily. There are many very reputable companies out there offering superb advice on how to improve your rankings. And some of the advice that I share later on in the book is based on stuff I've read from very reputable search engine optimization companies. I think it all comes back to content again. It's it all does. about having good quality content and, and sites being built well as well. Yeah. You know, don't sort of mix up. Yeah. It's all it's like basic that. common sense stuff, really. Mm. There's nothing nothing mind blowing about it. Maybe when I've written the next section of the book, we'll cover that in the show as well. Because oh, okay. I like to reuse content endlessly. So there we go. Um, that about sums up this week's show. Um, obviously, if you want to get at all of the content in the website owner man- and uh, a website owner's manual, then check it out at that URL I gave earlier. Um, check out the forum as an alternative to um, Tefion's, Tefion's, Tef, uh, Teflon's. You got it right. Oh, did well I? Done. I doubt myself now. <laughs> um, his, his suggestion, you check out the forum as well because they, they're great answering questions there. Anything else you want to cover? I think so. I think that's about it. Thanks yeah. very much for listening to this week's show and we'll talk to you again next week. Well, what about my jokes? Oh, I always forget your bloody joke. I said, is there yeah. anything else we should cover? And you said no. But that's not covering something, is it? Well, it's a part of the show. <sighs> do it. Nobody cares. This is, no, they don't. I, I don't really. Well, no, I do. I do. Send me more jokes. I care. Press your tash. Stop doing them and see what reaction we get. Well, we did it before. Will there be a public outcry? Probably. But anyway, these are funny quotes from Eugene. Thank you. Um, here we go. Uh, time is a great teacher, but unfortunately it kills all its pupils. Quite <laughs> like that one. Yeah. Uh, men are like bank accounts. Without a lot of money, they don't get a lot of interest. <laughs> That's good. Two more. Uh, I told the doctor I broke my leg in two places. He told me to quit going to those places. <laughs> and finally, the only reason people get lost in thought is because it's unfamiliar territory. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Okay, thank you very much. Who was that, Kevin says? Eugene. Eugene. Thank you, G- Eugene. I always forget to thank the person that transcribed um, the interview, and this week it was Anna. Thank you very much. Who edited it as well. She's a bit of a hero, is our Anna. All right, thank you very much for listening to the show, and we'll talk to you again next time. Bye. Hello, world of Boeing.
or join our forum.